Welcome to the Beach Grove United Methodist Church Podcast, where you can hear our Sunday morning sermons in audio form and take them wherever you go. A reminder that if you want to watch the entire service, our services are available on our YouTube channel linked in the podcast notes. We would love it if you would subscribe to the podcast so that new sermons come into your feed as soon as they are available, and you can do this using your favorite podcasting app. We would love it if you would help to support the missions and ministries here at Beach Grove through your tithes and your offerings. A donation link is also linked in the notes below. And lastly, find us on Facebook and Instagram to follow along with all the fun things happening at Beach Grove, whether you live in Suffolk, Virginia or not. We hope you enjoyed this week's message, and please don't forget to share it with others. But 
I'm hoping to be able to give you a little bit of insight to these questions. Wow. And maybe you were the one who asked the question, maybe you aren't the ones that asked the question, uh, but still, a lot of these have uh, great impact on the work that we do here at the church. So the first question that we're going to look at, uh, the, the, the writer of this question, again, I don't know who they are, these were all uh, anonymous, uh, asked, what is the difference between an apostle and a disciple and the expectations as they relate to this day and age? And so now here's, here's something. So you're going to notice over the next several weeks when I answer these questions. So I, I, I might tend to work around questions to kind of give us an answer. I'm not dodging questions. I'm not trying to escape answering any questions. Sometimes my brain works in a way that while there might maybe a question on the page, there's often an underlying question that also might be at play to help us bring, gain greater understanding. And so as we answer these questions, we look and, and break down these questions. I try and see the different parts of the questions, what's happening in them, and I tend to work my way around. And so as we look at this question today, we see that there's almost sort of two parts to this question. We have that, that first part, right? What is the difference between an apostle and a disciple? And then uh, what are the what are the expectations as they relate to, to really, so the, the writer says this day and age, uh, but I also think to, to our work, right? When we talk about this day and age, what is our work here as people who are part of this church? And so as we begin to look at it, we begin to see this nature of calling begin to push itself out. Now, explain why uh, here in a little bit, because even the, the questioner may just want to know, I just want to know the difference between an apostle and a disciple. Well, friends, you've asked the wrong person if you want a short and sweet answer. I'm sorry. You're not getting it. You can't get out of not having your 15 to 20 minute sermon. That's not how this works. So let's start with that first part of the question. What is the difference between an apostle and a disciple? And I understand and know where this question comes from. Because when we read scripture, when we read through the gospels, right? When we read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Even when we begin to read the epistles of Paul. Even when we begin to read other letters. We almost see as if these two words are used interchangeably. To talk about the followers of Christ, right? We hear, you know, we hear the 12 disciples, the 12 apostles. We hear even folks in Acts being referred to as apostles and disciples. And yet, while they may seem to be used interchangeably, this is almost done as a point of, of writer's emphasis in this. Not of what is happening, not what Jesus is stimulating these people to be, but the actual role that these people are in. And so I, I, I love this definition. On the United Methodist Church's website, if you actually type in disciple and apostle, um, they've done my work for me. Um, thank you, United Methodist Church, who also trained me well. So it says that there are two Greek words involved here. That is disciple, which is matetes, meaning learner or student. And it is a term that applied and applies to all who seek to learn the way of Jesus. Apostle, or apostolion, means one who has been sent out. The, the, the apostles in the New Testament were disciples who were understood to be specifically sent out by Jesus to extend his mission throughout the world. We might call these persons something like chief mission strategists, 
Those who are acting to oversee the advance of the mission of the church and guarantee the authenticity and foundational teachings and mission of that purpose. So what do we notice in this definition? First of all, we notice that a disciple is this term that broadly describes a follower of Jesus. Right? These are people who have entered the faith and they are seeking to learn and grow in their faith. These are every this is everybody, right? There was no uh, there was though a specific mandate from Christ himself as we read the term apostle. Right? While disciple seems to encapsulate everybody, and that includes the twelve apostles. The term apostle was a very small subsection of people who were called. And so when we dive into this term apostle, we'll return to discipleship here in a minute. We see that it is more so used as a title of calling in our modern times. And so the United Methodist Church runs under an Episcopal polity, that is, an Episcopal uh, structure of hierarchy. That means we have pastors and, and bishops, uh, similar to the Anglican Church, similar to the Catholic Church. There is a hierarchy within the church. Now, the United Methodist Church does not run exactly like that. Um, that is probably a conversation for a different day, a different set of years. But when we think about this term apostle, we think about those folks who are being sent out with a specific goal and understanding of leading the missional nature of the church. And so when we look at the term apostle, in our modern times, we often equate this to our bishops in the United Methodist Church as our leaders whose sole responsibility is going out as a leader of the church at large, sent by Christ. I mean, we have that in a lot of our ordination language, right? We ordain elders and deacons for this set of our ministry, but we consecrate bishops. And so there is a consecration upon them that within their vows of ordination, they will go out and they will be sent out with this specific purpose as they go and as they serve. And so we see this again and again in especially uh, Episcopally-based denominations, those are denominations that have this role of bishop. We will often see this, you'll be driving down the road and you'll see a non-denominational church or a Baptist church that claims they have an apostle. And it is this person who is leading the direction of the church in a missional nature. Now that's not to say, you know, we... We leave titles and callings and all of those things. Those are callings that we feel. And so if apostles hold this high position of having been set aside for this calling, this specific calling of overseeing the mission of the church, right? we name that the function within the global church and our understanding of calling, and we begin to look and see that apostle, like if you are called to be an apostle, you are called to be an apostle. Right? Apostle is not a term of faith. Apostle is a calling within faith. And so what's the difference between disciple and apostle? The difference between disciple and apostle is we are all disciples. We are not all apostles. 
we are not all apostles. It's like jacuzzis and hot tubs. All jacuzzis are hot tubs, but not all hot tubs are jacuzzis. Apostle is a very specific calling that exists. One who is sent by Christ. One who has had this laying on of hands. And even when we look at this idea of apostolic succession in our church, when we look, if you look at the Catholic Church, you will see every single pastor has an apostolic succession. They can trace their ordination through the consecration of bishops all the way back to Peter. If, if you have any questions, you can go to St. Therese, and that and that and that father will show, will probably maybe might have it framed. In the Methodist Church, we can trace our ordinations back to John Wesley or Philip Otterbaum. If you go to my office, you can see I have a, I have a, a lineage of ordination. Um, and if you were to connect in some way, shape, and form, you could connect either John Wesley or Philip Otterbaum to their connections, which then offers an apostolic succession. Right? Our understanding of leadership in the church flows through this sort of understanding of apostles who have led the church writ large. Right? Just from, from that position of hierarchy. And so what does it mean then for us to claim discipleship? Because that, that is the important part of this sermon. Right? I know I just spent all that time. I apologize. I, I lost everybody. So you see, when we look, begin to look at discipleship, we look and we are called to be and make disciples. And this is where we begin to hone in on that innate calling that we have in our lives. And so as we turn and we look at what Paul is calling us towards and is writing towards these, these people in Ephesus, we see that Paul says he himself granted, this is that God granted that some are apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry uh, for building up the body of Christ. So here we have, we have Paul deline delineating this idea that there are ministries that are set apart from one another, right? I, I can be an apostle, I can be a prophet, I can be an evangelist, I can be a pastor, I can be a teacher. Friends, all I want to be is a pastor. Please do not. Nobody, nobody recommend me for those other jobs. We have Paul delineating these set-apart ministries, that there are people within the faith that are called to these positions, these places of service. And, and I love one of my colleagues, her name's Leanne Taylor, she serves as a deacon over in the western part of the state. She said, she always says set-apart, not set-above. Right, because we're all in ministry together, and it speaks even more so to the role that we all have as disciples. We recognize that there are folks who, who are specifically called to lead local churches. Right? We have folks who are specifically called into that role in the Methodist Church of district superintendency to, to administer at a, at a smaller regional level. We have those folks who are called to, who are sent out, who are bishops, called to lead the missional nature of the church by guiding and directing. So when we look at it, discipleship then becomes a state of faith, a lifelong journey that we all enter into. We become disciples the moment we acknowledge what God is doing in our lives. The moment that our eyes are open to God's love, the moment that we understand the work that God is doing within our lives is the moment that we become disciples for Christ. 
And we just saw disciple means learner. Disciple means one who is on this journey. And so we enter this journey as people who desire to learn more. To learn more about who we are. To learn more about who God calls us to be. And we are all disciples because we are all learning at the feet of Jesus. And so this is where that thing of calling comes into place. Because if we're going to name that there is a difference between a disciple and an apostle, and we're going to go down the next one, that all can be disciples but not all can be apostles, we have to then say, well, what does that mean for the rest of us? Right? If I am not an apostle, then what does that mean? We're all disciples. And so in that, we all receive our own callings. Because to be a disciple, to be a learner, becomes one part of our faith. It becomes the important part as we learn and grow in Christ's love. But as we've talked about before, and as we will most likely talk about again, we also have that draw to serve in the church. The reason that we latch on to roles like disciples, like pastors, like teachers, like prophets, is because we know that within each and every one of us is a calling to go and do God's work in the world. And so each and every one of us, we wrestle with where God is calling us. And as we hear Paul continuing to talk to the Ephesians and the people of Ephesus, we begin to look and see the way that we live this out. Right? Paul talks about the body of Christ. The body of Christ and how we serve together. And when we hear words similar to what we heard you know, last week, in fact, while Bob was reading that, I'm like, wait, did I pick Colossians 3 again? Now, I had to remind myself that Paul repeats things because everybody needs to hear a lot of these messages. Right? Paul says, I beg you to lead a life worthy of your calling to which you have been called with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, making every effort to maintain the unity and bond of the Spirit. And then Paul goes on to say, we must no longer be children tossed to and fro and blown by every wind of doctrine, by people's trickery, by their craftiness and deceitful scheming. But speaking the truth in love, we must grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the body, joined and knitted together by every ligament which it, which it, with which it is equipped, as each part is working properly, promotes the body's growth in building itself up. So here we go, right? What is Paul saying? Paul is saying, we are all called to grow in faith. We, our faith cannot become stagnant. Right? Our faith becoming stagnant becomes this, this understanding that we don't need to grow, that there is nothing to do beyond justification of our faith. And if we fall into that trap, we lose out on the true relationship with God that we are called to have. And so what are we called to do? Immediately, when we are justified, when we find justification in our faith, when we form that relationship with God, we commit in that to learning and growing in God's love. But here's what happens when you learn and grow in God's love, right? Because we have not said that faith is an isolated thing. Faith is a thing that, that is done in community with one another. And so what happens? 
We find our roles in community. We find those places where we are called to serve. Paul is talking about understanding our specific callings within that innate nature of discipleship. Where we are always learning, we are always growing in our faith. That's what's at the heart of true discipleship. But Paul wants his readers to understand that faith is just the beginning. Believing is just the beginning. However, in our faith, we yearn to know more about Jesus, just as the disciples did. Right? You'll notice in a lot of those occasions in the Gospels that when Jesus is talking to them about learning, he'll call them disciples. Or the writer will, will point them out to disciples. But when Jesus is talking to them as leaders, or in the early church, when they are talking about leading, they are talking about being apostles. Why? Because they recognize the role in nature of dividing and understanding what to what they have been called to do. And so, now that I've danced around that question for 15 minutes, how do we understand this? What are the expectations that we have? Well, the expectation is that we are all disciples. We are all called to continue to learn and grow. However, we are also called to find that role calling in our lives. And what that looks like for each and every one of us. We may not be apostles, because I can promise you there are very few, but maybe we are teachers. Maybe we are servants. Maybe, maybe you are pastor material. Maybe there's something that's happening within you that is calling you into a specific serving ministry in the church. Those spiritual gifts that each and every one of us has. Right? I've been called to the ministry of an elder here in our church and a lot of other churches that mean something wildly different. But here in the United Methodist Church, it means that I have a fourfold calling of ministry. It means I have been called to word, sacrament, order, and service. It means that I've been called to preach the word of God. I've been called to preside at sacraments. I've been called to help to order the life of the church. And I've been called to serve God and the church. Those are my callings to this set-apart ministry. And as a disciple in my youth, I fought that call. How many of us fight our callings? It's the best game, isn't it? It's the best game to try and tell God no. It really is fun. And even up until the last moment, friends, I was like a year into seminary before I was like, okay, fine, God, I'll be a pastor. I was a year to a degree I could use for nothing else except for being a pastor. Before I was like, fine, God. But it was in those times where I heard those callings, where I was continually drawn and pulled towards where God was calling me in the church. Because between that time of being a youth and first hearing my calling and finally accepting my calling, there was a lot in there of answering God's call to serve both within and beyond the walls of the local church that I was a part of. There was a calling in leading our youth group. There was a calling in starting a, a young adult college ministry on the campus at my undergraduate college, Randolph-Macon. There was a calling to help serve the poor, and homeless folks in downtown Richmond. There were all sorts of callings in there. And here's the cool thing about callings. Is that they don't make us better than one another. They don't even really make us different. They make us part of the body. Even when we take terms like apostles or bishops. And we want to set them on this high pedestal. Bishop Sue, I'm sorry if you hear this. 
It doesn't make or better than us. Because at the end of the day, what are we? We're disciples. We're learners. And we have our own calls. We have our own ways to fulfill those callings within the body of Christ. Right? We don't go for it for the glory. We go for it because God calls us to do so. And so we live into that calling. Grow in our faith. Deeper that understanding of who God has called us to be. Deepen that understanding of Paul that, that Paul's laying out right here to the church in Ephesus. Because as he lays out this word to this church, he's trying to help them to understand that, you know what? There are going to be people who are called to all these different things. And that's right. Because when we commit ourselves, it, 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 the, the fallacy of thinking that we need to be better, the fallacy of thinking that we need to, to be one of those roles even when we're not called is, is this fallacy that we haven't learned who we are. We haven't learned in ourselves. We still act like children of faith. But adults of faith, they know who they are called to be and they live into that nature of God's calling. And so for each and every one of us, it's, it's discerning that call. It's continuing to engage in those acts of discipleship as we learn, as we grow, as we mature in our faith. And along the way we serve. Along the way as we serve, we get it wrong. We fight with God. We think ourselves foolhardy enough to tell God no. And then God's like, I'm going to put you right there. Because God's a calling 